I am, uh, I, I'm not going to preach long because uh, we've had a pretty full day in God's house already. Amen. And some of you are looking at your watches. You're getting nervous. Yeah. Okay. So uh, don't be too nervous. Uh, t- today, you probably, many of you saw the communion trays. We're going to actually end our service today uh, by uh, participating in communion. And I'm actually kicking off a, uh, a new series uh, today. We, we're just four weeks away from Easter Sunday, ladies and gentlemen. How cool is that? I love, I love the resurrection season. I really do. And so um, I thought the Lord saying, hey, let's, let's focus on the last 24 hours of Jesus' life on earth as he went to the cross, because there's actually a lot to unpack uh, at that at that time, and I know someone's probably going to send me an email saying, "You know what? That actually happened about you know like 33 hours, and so your message is wrong." Just relax, hang with me, okay? So uh, the last 24 is what we're titling this entire series today, and we're going to take different events that led to the cross, and let's see what we can learn from them. And uh, obviously today. Uh, would be the Last Supper, the Last Supper. And what's uh, interesting about the, the, the Last Supper that Jesus had with his disciples was it's recorded in not just one part of the Gospels. It's actually re- recorded in multiple spots all through the Gospels. And what's the, the, the beauty of God's Word is that you can learn something and see something different every time you look at these different accounts of, of the Last Supper. And that's what we're going to do today, uh, albeit briefly, but we're going to take a look at them because there's a lot that we can learn from this. But I've chosen as my text Paul's kind of uh, description of things. It's one that we usually quote when we're having uh, uh, our communion time together when we go to the Lord's table. And that's what I've chosen as our text here this morning. So if you're able to, I invite you to stand with me in honor of God's word. We're going to take a look at this together at 1 Corinthians chapter 11. 1 Corinthians 11, starting in verse 23 and going to verse 26. And if you don't have your Bible, you can follow right along uh, on, the, uh, on the screen. And uh, we will... Um, Make sure everybody's caught up. Here we go. <clears throat> For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So Lord, speak to us now as we take maybe a fresh look at this story. And as you've already met us in such a powerful way this morning, I pray now that we would have an encounter, not just with your spirit, which is more than enough, But God, now with your word, because it's your word that changes us. It's your word that changes us. So speak to us through your word, I pray. 
and meet us right where we're at in our own spiritual journeys. In Jesus' name, and we all said amen. Amen. You may be seated. The Last Supper. So I, uh, what I want to do, I want to unpack some moments, if I can, and provide for you an opportunity to have maybe a similar moment with Jesus as we uh, partake of the, the cup and the bread. Now, you don't need to be a member of our church in order to participate in communion. All we're asking is that you be in right relationship with God. And so, uh, with that in mind, I'm, I'm challenging us to take a look at four moments. One of those, maybe you need today. And the first one is what I would call a moment of submission. A moment of submission. Now, I will confess, this moment is actually not at the, uh, the actual Lord's table. This moment is actually right before it takes place, okay? And take a look at this story. It's found in Mark chapter 14, beginning in verse 12. It says, On the first day of the festival of the unleavened bread, when it was customary to sacrifice the Passover lamb, Jesus' disciples asked him, Where do you want us to go to make preparations for you to eat the Passover? And so then he sent two of his disciples, telling them, Go into the city, and a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him. Okay, let's pause. Okay. That's the command I have. You know, Jesus, you didn't reserve a room. No, I want you to find a thirsty guy and stalk him. That's what I'd like for you to do. Okay. Let's keep going. Say to the owner of the house that he enters. So we're following this guy to the house, okay? Call the police. Say to the owner of the house that he enters, the teacher asks, where is my guest room? Where I may eat the Passover with my disciples. And he will show you a large room upstairs, furnished and ready. Make preparations for us there. The disciples left. They went into the city and they found things just as Jesus had told them. And so they prepared the Passover. Now, again, this is a wonderful story, but I'm trying to put myself in the place of those two disciples, okay? Jesus, where do you want to have Passover this year? And this was a customary thing, by the way, that they did together. And so where do you want to go? And, and Jesus says, here's what I want you to do. Go over there, find a guy carrying a jug of water, follow him. Okay, then what? Go in his house. This is not good, Okay. <laughs> Once you get to the house, ask this total stranger, uh, where's, where's the room <laughs> that uh, the teacher can have Passover? Do you see the unknowns in this command? Does anybody see this? Anybody like to have your life scripted out a little bit better than that, right? Anybody like having those moments where God says, hey, this is what I'm doing for you, and this is going to happen, and this is going to happen, and then this is going to happen, and oh, this is going to happen. You're going to love this. This is going to happen. And I'm learning in my spiritual journey that that's not how God does things. And sometimes, sometimes he'll direct me to do something, and I don't know what the result's going to be. Let me say that again. You know what some of the biggest obstacles are going to be for us? When the Lord directs us to do something, and we're not sure what the result's going to be. It's like, oh, 
okay, what's going to happen here? What's going to happen if I give this amount of money that you're telling me to give? What's going to happen if I commit myself in this way? What's going to happen if I go to that total stranger and try to tell them about you? What's going to happen if I say no to something that the rest of the office is saying I should say yes to? What is going to happen? Submission. See, it's e- some of God's commands are easy. Thou shalt not kill. I'm good. Most days, I am good. Okay, not a struggle, not an issue. But, but then commands like this and, and being led like this, where I, I don't see the finish line just yet. Uh, in fact, not for, not for a while. God, what do you have in store? And the question, I think, is this. Are we willing to submit to the commands of the Lord? even when they seem challenging to obey them. This table, I would pray, would cause us to say, you know what, Lord, I'm going to obey you no matter what. And, and your obedience, by the way, it might just be step by step. Some of us want to obey God mile by mile. It's like, okay, God, script it out. And sometimes God says, just take this step. Okay, now what? Take another step. Find a, find a guy carrying a jug of water. Okay. Now follow him. Oh, boy. Now go to the house. That, <laughs> if you notice him walking faster because you're stalking him, walk faster. Go, go to his house and then ask the owner of the house if you can have her. I mean, wow. For me, I would be a little uncomfortable obeying that. How about you? And maybe you're wrestling with a command or some, something that God's leading you to do because you're not sure what the result's going to be. Or maybe you think it's too complicated. Maybe you think it's too difficult for you to be able to do this. I think the Lord will remind you as you come to his table today, he will never, hear me, he will never command you or direct you to do something that you and him cannot do together. Never. He will never set you up for failure. Can you say amen? amen? Let me show you the second moment. The second moment was a moment of submission. This next one, and these kind of rhyme, by the way. So if you're all looking for the same letter, I just messed you up. And I see our Chi Alpha students, you had, you, you were trying to guess what they were going to be, but they all end in the same three letters, students. So I'm sorry. So here we go. This next one is a moment of affection. <laughs> Some of you, it's the game within the service. It's really funny. I've been here 23 years. I know what you're doing. You're trying to guess the next word. And so I'll just mess you up. Okay. So the first one was a moment of submission. This next one, I call a moment of affection. It's okay. I love our students. I really do. I really do. But we're in Luke chapter 22. Now look at this. Look at this, okay? Now we finally get to the Lord's table. And when the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table. That was customary, by the way. And, as he, and he said to them, look at this, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. Look at that. 
In fact, I highlighted it in yellow on the screen. Jesus couldn't wait to eat this meal with his disciples. He was looking forward to being with them. Just stop there for a moment. I think some of us, we, we have kind of distanced God from our lives mentally and emotionally in so many ways that we don't understand the amazing feelings of love and affection he has for us. He was thrilled to see you wake up this morning. He was thrilled to hear you sing praises to him this morning. He thought it was so special to make his Holy Spirit's presence so powerful in this room here today that even a man got healed of tumors in his mouth. And, and, and he, he says that, and, and see, here's the thing. He's not doing that to kind of check off a, a holy checklist. He's doing that because he loves you. And I'm looking at a lot of people here, all different backgrounds, all different situations, all different lives, all different histories, and some of us maybe even wrestle with the fact that God loves you unconditionally. His love for you does not depend on, on you. Well, if I do this, he'll really love me. That's not how it works. Oh, I messed up. He must hate me. That's not how it works. Maybe that's how we demonstrate love to other people. But that's not how God does it. And the Lord, I think, would remind every single person in here of how much he loves you. In fact, as we come to the Lord's table today... I want you to be reminded today that he loves you. Even if, even if other people have let you down, even if other people whom you would expect to love you in such a tremendous way, they, they, they betray that. May I, by the way, may I remind you that Judas was in the crowd? You have no idea how eagerly I've desired to eat this meal with you. You have no idea how eagerly I desire to meet you at church this Sunday. You have no idea how eagerly I desire to, to talk with you, to speak to you, to, to touch your life. You, you, you have no idea how much Jesus would say, I want this. And so today, if you feel even the least bit unloved, you, you have somebody as you come to the table that is crazy about you. He loved you, and that doesn't stop. It doesn't depend on your performance. It's all about his love for you. The third moment I'd like to identify, not just a moment of submission, not just a moment of affection, but what I would call a moment of perception. Now, we're in the same chapter, eight verses later, okay? And this meal takes a turn. 
Jesus goes from saying, I have looked so forward to eating this with you. Now look, it says this, a dispute also rose among them as to which of them was considered to be the greatest. Are you kidding me? Seriously? Look at verse 25. Jesus said to them, the kings and the Gentiles lord it over them. I lost my place. Uh, And those who exercise authority over them call themselves benefactors, but you are not to be like that. Instead, the greatest among you should be like the youngest and the one who rules like the one who serves. I would have loved to have been the 14th person at the table for this one. They start arguing, who's the greatest? Andrew's like, well, I brought the kid who fed the 5,000. I'm the guy that did that. Uh, Yeah, well, Peter says, well, I walked on water. Beat that one. Thomas says, I doubt it. (laughs) Just thought I'd throw it in there. And they're all coming up. They're all coming up with, I mean, their their reasons why they're the greatest. We read in another part of the Bible that James and John's mom went to Jesus. Talk about a helicopter mom. Okay? And she said, Jesus, (laughs) her name was Karen, Jesus... I want one to sit on this side of your kingdom and the other sit on this side of the kingdom. And that's the way it should be. And it's just like, what in the world? Are you kidding me? All this talk about trying to be the greatest and then Jesus says, hey, what is that about? If you're the greatest among you, you know what you need to do? You need to be a servant. Then we read elsewhere that Jesus even washed their feet. Including Judas's. One of the biggest traps that we can fall into in our walk with God will be pride. Pride. See what these guys were doing? They were comparing themselves to each other. Who's the greatest? Boy, I could could do a whole sermon just on this. You will fall into a trap spiritually and emotionally if you are constantly trying to compare yourself to other people. I'm better than her. I am so good looking compared to her. Well, you know, he's from, oh, he's from... Illinois, how could he possibly be any, you know, I'm from Ohio. And, and it just, what happens? We, we compare. And the comparison trap is a dangerous, dangerous trap to fall into. So Jesus, he didn't even, he didn't even entertain this. He just said, stop it. You want to be great? Serve. You want to be great in the kingdom of God? Serve other people. Even if nobody sees it. 
He does. He does. And I'm learning in my life, that's the only one that matters. You can get all the attention in the world. I've, I've had moments where I got a lot of attention. I don't want it anymore. I really don't. I, no thanks. I, I, I'm just, I am all about, I am all about pleasing God. And if I serve him and serve people whom I love, Jesus considers that great, and that's pretty awesome. But we got to be on our guard. We must be on our guard against those moments that the enemy will try to use pride to defeat you. Wasn't going to say this. I'll take 30 seconds to do so. Those of you on the other end of this thing, where you keep comparing yourself to other people and you think you could never measure up, you're not talented enough, you're not good-looking enough, you're not smart enough, you don't have all the goods, blah, 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 blah. God looks at you and he, see, he sees somebody whom he adores, somebody who he loves. And do not get into the comparison trap of constantly looking up and thinking that you never measure up to this person or that person. The only people, person, by the way, that we need to compare ourselves to is Jesus. And I'm far from him, and that will keep me humble. Amen. Here's the last moment. It's a moment of reflection. It's a moment of reflection. This meal takes another turn. Pretty serious one. It says this, when, when evening came, Jesus was reclining at the table with the twelve. And while they were eating, he said, truly, I tell you, one of you will betray me. And they were very sad, and they began to say to him one after the other, surely you don't mean me, Lord. Jesus replied, <laughs> stop calling me Shirley. Jesus replied, the one who has dipped his hand into the bowl with me will betray me. And the Son of Man will do just as it is written about him, but woe to that man who betrays the Son of Man, it would be better for him if he had not been born. And then Judas, the one who would betray him, said, Surely you don't mean me, Rabbi. And Jesus answered, You've said so. Now what's interesting is that all twelve asked him, Is it I, Lord? Certainly it can't be me. Don't miss this. The, the, the table of the Lord is not a table of condemnation, okay? But the table of the Lord is where we ask God to search us. It's a moment where, it's a, where we allow the Lord to search our hearts for any areas of spiritual failure. And even the ones who earlier were saying they were the greatest... We're now saying, is it I, Lord? Interesting. And no matter how secure we feel in our walk with God, it is a healthy thing, hear me, it is a healthy thing to say, Lord, would you search me? Would you search me? If there's some attitude I have that, that doesn't belong, God, will you forgive me of that? Or, or God, if, if there's some sin that I'm constantly giving into, 
Lord, would you not only forgive me that, but free me from that? This occasion is meant for that. It's a chance to say, Lord, expose it, but then forgive it. That's what he wants to do. Bring it to your attention and get it out of there. That's the table of the Lord. I wonder today what moment might you need today? (coughs) Perhaps today you need that moment of submission. And you'll say, Lord, I'm going to obey you. This one's tough. And and (laughs) let's forget about special revelations from the Holy Spirit for a moment. If there's a written command in the Word of God that's hard for you to obey, this is the time to say, Lord, I'm I'm gonna do it. Maybe you need that moment of affection. Or maybe you just need to receive the love of the Lord. That you need to quit categorizing yourself as some second-class or third-class child of God. You're his son. You're his daughter. He loves you. Receive that love. Maybe it's the moment of perception. (laughs) Maybe we get caught up in thinking we're a little bit greater, a little bit higher than what we really are. You know, the Bible says that we should humble ourselves in the sight of the Lord and he will lift us up. Trust me, it's better if we humble ourselves and not allow the Lord to do it. Lord, humble me. Or maybe it's a moment today of reflection where you need to say, Lord, forgive me. Forgive me. The moment you confess any sin, he, was, he is faithful and he's just to forgive you of your sin and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. So here's how we're going to end today. I'm going to ask our ushers who are helping us with communion, if you guys could prepare yourselves in the back, and I'll call you up in just a little bit. And what we're going to do first is lead you to take communion. Okay. But after that, and Christina, after we serve communion, let's keep that slide up. Okay. After that, I'm going to ask you, what, uh, what moment do you need from the Lord? And maybe there are some Short prayers that need to be prayed in this room before you walk out of here. I know we've been visited by the Holy Spirit in a powerful way. But what a great way to seal this whole day. What a great, what a great way just to put a stamp on everything that Jesus has done in so many lives here this morning. Is to say, Lord, I'll obey you. It's tough. I'm having a hard time. But Lord, I'll obey you. Lord, I'm, I receive your love. Even though I've been rejected, I receive your love. Lord, humble me. I don't want to be some arrogant, prideful follower of you, God. I I want to be humble like you were, Jesus. And Lord, forgive me. Expose what doesn't belong, and God, 
wipe it away. So I'm going to ask you, as our ushers make their way to the front now, I'm going to hand them the trays. They're going to serve you. We're going to ask you to hold the elements until everyone's been served, okay? We'll lead you through communion. And then I'm going to challenge you to go after God. Maybe praying about one of these. (laughs) Maybe you need all four of these moments. Go for it. Go for it. And let's trust God that he will meet us today. Amen. So right now, Jonathan's going to be leading us in a course. You can sing along. You can just be in a prayerful mode. Asking God, okay, Lord, what would you have for me today? And then we'll take communion together.